Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Our farm, I'm not trying to brag or anything, by no means, but it just, just puts a little more pressure, I guess. Like, it's been around for so long. And you don't want to be the generation that, you know, fails. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. If you are listening to this episode on, you know, the day it came out, which is today, September 30th, 2020, happy national or happy international podcast day. How cool is that? So my dad sent me a little message that said, hey, tomorrow is national podcast day. And it also had on there a bunch of other dates in October that um, are national holidays. Like October 13th is National Transfer Money to Your Son Day. uh, October 14th is National Kick Butt Day, as well as National Pet Obesity Day. So in case you have a very fat dog or cat, you can celebrate on October 14th. So today on the show... We have Derek Tom from Tom Farms in Michigan. So Derek is 19 years old. He's been working on his family farm for basically his whole life. And it's a fourth generation farm in Michigan that grows soybeans, wheat, corn, sugar beets, a whole bunch of other cash crops. And they also have some beef cattle. So Derek is going to tell us what life has been like growing up on the farm, what his goals are, and kind of what the pressures are of continuing a fourth generation farm. I mean... It's so neat to carry on a fourth generation farm, but you also have a lot of pressure that you don't want that to end. You want to carry on and, you know, have it be a fifth and a sixth generation family farm. So we're also going to talk to him about their production methods and the difference between cash crops and cover crops and really his thoughts on the farmer consumer relationship and why he started an Instagram page, which is um, D underscore and underscore D underscore Tom which is spelled T-H-O-M underscore farms, why he started that Instagram page to kind of showcase what they do. So this is a great episode, but we're getting 
so close to episode 100, which will happen sooner rather than later. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. It was great talking with Derek and learning all about what he does and why he does it. So hope you enjoy it and be sure to check out Derek and D&D Farms at the link in the description of this podcast and on the Instagram that we mentioned. And you know, it's podcast day if you're listening on September 30th. So go check out some awesome podcasts um, from all of our friends, you know, like Ag State of Mind. Another friend of mine has a podcast called The Millennial Salesman. Uh, Pete Dola has that one. And probably my two favorite, The Art of Manliness and Mike Rose, The Way I Heard It. Thanks for listening. I'll stop stalling. Enjoy this episode with Derek. All right. Well, Derek, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So as we as we were just saying, we kind of, I think we've been scheduling this interview for about a month or two. So I'm glad our schedule is finally cleared up and we're able to, you know, learn about you and D&D Tom Farm. So this is exciting. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, you're, you've got row crops, you've got a beef cattle operation going on, you're in Michigan. So give us a little bit about a background of you and the farm. Um, okay, well, I am 19. Um, I just graduated last year and I started the Instagram page where you found me. I started, I think this is the second year. Um, and yeah, we're in the thumb of Michigan. We have, or we grow uh, sugar beets, wheat, um, red and white wheat, and then we grow field corn and soybeans. And then, if that's not a, if that doesn't keep us busy enough, we have uh, beef cattle. We've got about, uh, I'd say about a hundred and 110, 120 beef cows and that we have on a pasture. And then we also have uh, beef steers. We've got mostly Holsteins, but we've also got um, just a colored cattle that we get out of our own cows. Um, yeah, we actually just put up a new barn just for the beef cattle our steers um we just finished that i think it was april i think we got moved in there um we had some setbacks on that but yeah so i am the fourth generation my brothers and i were the fourth generation of the farm uh, i asked my grandpa the other day and he thought it was our farm was established about he would guess uh, 1925 that era. Oh, um, wow. So just about 100 years old. Yeah, almost. Uh, he wasn't real sure. Uh, we don't really have any like dated records or anything, but he would have guessed around the 20s somewhere. Um, and it actually started out, um, they, we used to milk cows here. And then I'm, they got out of that. I think my dad... He was around for that, but they got out of the dairy cows around the buyout in, um, I think he said 83 when the markets went down and the government was buying out dairy farms. And, uh, yeah. So then we got back, we got some more, I think I always had cows, but we haven't had any dairy cattle since then. 
Um, that was obviously way before my time, but um, yeah, a few years. Um, that's I mean, that's a pretty good stop. I mean, it sounds like you guys have a lot of row crops going on, a lot of cows. So you said that you, you grow both white and red varieties of wheat. Is that right? So what are the two main difference like of uses of white versus red wheat? The white wheat in the field, it's not for use, but in the field, it's so sensitive um, than the red wheat is. Um, I'm not, I'm going to be honest, I'm not totally sure, but uh, the white wheat is used, I believe, more for like bread products and the red wheat. I think gotcha. the red okay. wheat is more like um, your crackers and stuff because the flour that you get from the different breeds of wheat, it's different. It's not all the same kind of flour because there's, there's red, hard red wheat and soft white wheat. So there's red or soft and hard of each kind. And uh, the soft wheat is more, a little more challenging just because it's, it's not quite as tough, I don't believe, as the hard, like the red wheat. So we don't, we grow more red wheat than white wheat. I think we only had, I want to say 200 acres of white wheat and 400 of red wheat. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That, that makes sense then. Um, I think the, the, I think the white wheat, I could be wrong, but I think it's worth more when you go to sell it. And I'm sure that's that's good for you guys because I mean far, farming's not like a get rich quick thing. So I mean, if it's more like lucrative for you guys, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I'm going to be honest. That's about I don't know a whole lot the differences between the red and white wheat, but that's if i think of something else i'll let you know but right now that's <laughs> yeah no that's fine i mean it seems like you're kind of i mean you're going to take over this fourth generation farm eventually i imagine so i'm sure that's one of those things you'll yeah, learn yeah kind of along I'm, the way. I'm still learning all the time um i by no means me no i mean i know quite a bit but there's a, not nearly uh, it's a, it comes with time oh yeah and experience absolutely through all that experience you'll i'm sure you'll get a hang of it eventually that's awesome so it's a fourth generation farm so i'm assuming that was your your great your great granddad is that right yes so i mean how does that feel like you and your dad and you said your, your brother kind of carrying on that tradition of that fourth generation farm like what's that like um it It, it means a lot, um, like, because there's so many farms around, not just in my area, but just all over the world, all over the country, that the markets crashed and they just couldn't keep going. Um, but our farm, I'm not trying to brag or anything by no means, but it just just puts a little more pressure, I guess. Like, it's been around for so long, and you don't want to be the generation that you know, fails. Um, but it, it means a lot. Um, cause there's a lot of companies that don't even make it this far in history. Like that don't stick around for this long. Oh yeah. Um, that's a very good point. That's true. Not, 
Um, so it, especially nowadays, the markets are so volatile. They're just changed so much every day. And everything's just more, so much more expensive. And it just, it, seems, it just gets harder and harder, it seems like. It's, but at the same time, it gets easier and easier, if, if that makes sense. Um, just with the technology and the machines that we have nowadays. But there's a trade-off. I mean, markets and uh, equipment, machinery, everything yeah, costs no, too I mean, much. But that's really cool. And I mean, I know a couple of like first or second generation farms, but I don't have any close friends or anything that are part of like a fourth generation. And so, like my granddad has, he started a catfish farm operation, and so it's kind of his baby like my dad and I aren't taking it over so I mean maybe one day we can keep it going but I mean that's cool that you've been able to keep that going for like four generations that you that y'all have kept it going through I mean almost a hundred years I mean that's really neat yeah that's awesome so so you're in the the thumb of Michigan I have a couple of friends from Michigan and every time somebody asks them where they where they're from they always you know put up their hand and they're like okay this is Michigan and here's where we're at. So that's pretty cool. You're in the thumb. So is that close to Detroit a little bit? Um, we're about two hours away, I'd say. So not real close, but whenever you're talking to someone from uh, that's not local, you just keep you, like um, Detroit. It's a pretty. It seems like everyone has heard of Detroit. So, so um, you always say, "Oh, we're." two hours away from Detroit or something kinda, like kinda that. Kind of gives them a good radius of where you guys might be. That makes sense. So what all, what all is yeah. Michigan agriculture like? I mean, I know that there's a lot of row crops. I know you guys are kind of close to Iowa and Indiana. There's a lot of um, pig farms operation up there. So do you know what kind of Michigan agriculture is like? Um, it's, it, there's a very wide variety of different things that we grow in Michigan. Um, I think the last I knew we were, the state was a second leading producer in milk. So there's a lot of dairy around and, um, but then you get up North a couple hours and they grow a lot of cherries and, um, apples. There's a lot of wineries up that way. They grow uh, hops that's, uh, for beer and, um, yeah, there's a lot of there's um pump we grow pumpkins and squash and all different kinds of vegetables. But off the top of my head, I would probably say the crop we grow the most in Michigan, I would say probably like um corn or soybeans. Just just a I just I'm just guessing. Um, um I was when you think of, I don't know, when you think of Michigan, you don't, I don't really think of, even I don't, of what the variety of crops that we grow in Michigan are. Um, like around here, it's just corn, soybeans, some sugar beets, wheat, but then you get just farther away and they grow apples and everything else. And I don't know what you think, what your initial impressions are of like what we grow here, but even I sometimes forget that we grow such a variety of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm down here in Florida and we grow a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people think of, you know, we just grow oranges, but we've got like a lot of strawberries, blueberries. I think we're seventh or eighth in the country with beef cattle. Really? 
And so, yeah. And so that's good that you guys are, the Michigan is like super diverse in terms of agriculture. Um, so, you know, you got two parts of Michigan, you got the hand of Michigan. What do you guys call the top part? I think I've heard some people call it the hat or something. What do you, what do y'all call that? Like the part that's, I guess, attached to Minnesota. Yeah, um, we call it, it the upper peninsula of Michigan. That's the, the technical okay. term, but we always just call it the UP, the uh, upper peninsula. The the UP. I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The UP. So yeah, I mean, I found you guys over on Instagram and it's it's D underscore and underscore D underscore Tom T H O M underscore farms. And it you you've got a lot of really good stuff on here, kind of showing what you guys do on a daily basis. I mean, is there any what kind of inspired you to start that? I mean, did you see a lot of people going to social media or did you just kind of want to document what you guys do on a daily basis? Um uh, I, I always watch the uh, millennial farmer. I'm sure you, you've heard of him in Minnesota. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a big time one. Yeah. I think he's got like 500,000 followers on YouTube and he's got a couple hundred thousand yeah. on Instagram. So he's big. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy how fast, um, how fast information gets around. And that's kind of what I was going for. Um, not trying to be like anybody, not millennial farmer or nothing, but I think he, like them guys kind of inspired me, um, just to show what we do here. Um, just try to teach people a little bit. Um, I don't have a whole lot of followers obviously, but it's fun for me. Um, just to document what we do and because what we do here is totally different than other parts of the country. And, um, yeah, I just, I was always interested just to get on like Instagram or YouTube and just look at the different farms around that I follow and just see what they're up to, um, just on a daily basis. And I just always think it's interesting. So that's, I'd say that's kind of what inspired me. Um, just cause you can get on and see what everyone is up to and the information just spreads so fast nowadays on there. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and there's like so much stuff you're showing off, like some of the equipment, the the crops you guys are doing. Like right right now, you guys are in soybean season. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, we just we did a we only did one semi load tonight. Um, we just opened up field, but yeah, there's neighbors around getting ramped up for soybeans. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's primarily you said that's primarily one of your main cash crops. So whenever you guys are done with the soybeans, what do you plant afterwards? Do you do like a cover crop or do you, do you just plant something else like um, a wheat or a corn? So yeah, we plant a lot of, not the, not all the wheat or not all the soybeans that we take off, we're going to put wheat behind. But a lot of times, like I said on Instagram tonight, we're going to uh, drill some wheat in tomorrow just to get everything dialed in. But yeah, a lot of times it's, we plant wheat behind the soybeans but uh we don't plant any cover crops really we plant clover but that's about the only cover crop that we do gotcha any any four leaf clovers and all of that or is that a different clover <laughs> oh i'm sure there's one in there somewhere <laughs> that's awesome so you know i'm always amazed i mean i so my grandpa had a tractor like on his catfish farm but never like a huge tractor or anything so we didn't have to cut hay or weed or anything um, but I'm always amazed at how big and how expensive 
all these combines and these big old tra- or John Deere tractors and everything like that is. I mean, and I'm sure you probably grew up on those tractors. So driving something like a huge combine is probably like yeah, second nature, yeah. right? <laughs> do y'all, I mean, do y'all have any of those? Are any of them like auto driving where you can kind of just like point them in the right direction and they'll go and you maybe have to sear it every now and then? Or are they like the old, the, the quote unquote old school where you've got to drive it by hand? Um, no, we, uh, I th- just about all of our tractors, they're what you call auto sear ready or green sear ready. So you can get, you can enable them. We just have a globe, we call it. Um, it's a GPS receiver. You put on the cab, and then a screen goes inside the cab. But pretty much all of our equipment, for the most part, we can put auto steer in. So like the combines, both of our combines, we put auto steer in. And um, yeah, so we're pretty. I'm pretty fortunate. I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, just because um, it, it is expensive, but oh yeah, Super just for the software, yeah. just uh, not even the counting machinery, but just because they're small enough, they don't really need it. And I just, um, I just, I know I'm really lucky to have that luxury and that opportunity to be able to use that kind of technology. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Have you seen, maybe you've seen this, the, I think Case IH came out with it a few, like a year or two ago, but they're these um, driverless tractors and they look like a normal huge tractor without, you know, the seat and the steering wheel and everything. Have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Uh, I've, I've seen Case and New Holland, I think both have them, but uh, yeah. They that, look trippy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're so okay. So, um, case IH is red, New Holland is blue, correct? Because I know that, um, all these big time ad companies are very particular on color, right? Yeah, they're blue, and uh, tractors are blue for New Holland, and then their combines and stuff are yellow. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's pretty cool. So, what what's it like working with the cattle? So is that kind of who do you spend kind of your time 50-50 with the row crops and the cattle or how exactly do you v- divide that time to where you know you're you're working on the crops but you're also taking care of the cows and making sure they're getting some much needed attention? Um I would say maybe not quite 50-50. Um for the most part the cattle you mo- for the most part you just feed them. I mean I mean, there's obviously more to it, but <laughs> you just like on a daily basis, you feed them in the morning, you feed them at night, and then once in a while you'll have to work them and get them in the alley and shoot and stuff. But I'd say more more of our time is spent with the the crops and the tractors and just fixing stuff mostly. But for the most part, the cattle you put them in the barn. And you have to watch them and check on them, but for the most part, you just have to feed them. Um, so I'd say it's more, we're more towards the more, a a little more of our time is spent with the crops and stuff. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure equipment's always breaking or you're having to fix something or just something pops up. So I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So are are these cow? Is it like a feedlot, or how do you, do you just kind of raise them from calves, or how does that whole process work for you? Um. Okay. So the we've got the beef cows, 
and then we, we take their calves and we raise them up from birth and then we'll put them we'll raise them up till they're 1500 pounds or so and then we'll sell them but we have most all of our cattle we raise them up from baby calves um our holsteins we get um like through our stockyards or right off right direct off of a big dairy farm or something and then we raise them up from milk calves a milk replacer we feed them and then um about i think it's about just over a year so we have them yeah right from baby calves and then we put them in the barns and yeah Gotcha. That's awesome. Do you have any favorite cows or no? Cause I, I want to get cows one day. I have to convince my wife, you know, we don't have enough land. We have like a couple, I don't know, square yards of a yard. So that's not nearly enough, but I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want a cow one day. So do you have any favorites or anything? Some that you always pay attention to a little bit more than others? Um, n- yeah, there's, there's some out there, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the one so you'll get one that um, you kind of make a pet or something, but most of them they're just out in the pasture, just another cow for the for the most part. Yeah, I know that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, you know, it's weird. It's a weird time. You know, you probably heard this term. We're in the w- world of fake news. Like, there's just so much fake information out there. Do you feel that there's like a lot of fake information out there when it comes to farming? Because anytime I see like articles and stuff from like bloggers and it's about how farming works and they're completely wrong or there's just like completely wrong information. So how do you feel? Do you feel like there's a lot of fake news out there when it comes to farming and agriculture? Uh, Yeah, I feel um, in my experience, um, there's a ton of fake news just that like, um, uh, G- GMOs, for example, that where the farmers are trying to kill people, um, not nec- not with those exact words, but yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that, that the GMOs are, are bad for you. Like there's some kind of plant from outer space or something. But in reality, the GMOs are just um, they're just making it easier for farmers to grow crop, like. Um, like the GMOs are only helping us so that we can grow more food for such a right for such a growing population. And yeah, a lot of times um, they'll try to stretch the truth or something. Um, Not necessarily the whole thing. The whole story is a lie, but a lot of times I feel like they're trying to stretch the truth and make farmers, the suspect, like we're the bad guys, but um yeah just like anything else i feel like there's just so much fake news and they're trying to um stretch the truth like i said about what we do and reality we're we're not trying to hurt the environment or anything like a lot of articles say and stuff but yeah to answer your question yeah i think there's a ton of fake news going around about agriculture especially right now i feel yeah, no, totally agree. And I love that GMO one. That That's a great example. I mean, people that are removed from farming, they just, they, they're worried, which it kind of makes sense because, I mean, this stuff is developed in a lab, but they just automatically think it's dangerous and they don't realize that it has to go through 
I mean, all these hoops and checks to make sure it's safe. Like the, the Environmental Protection Agency checks them, the USDA, the um, Department of Agriculture, like they're all checked and regulated to make sure that they're healthy. And a lot of those people don't research that. So that's a very good point. I'm always trying to drive home the the idea that GMOs are completely safe for us to eat. So I totally feel your pain on that one. That's a good quote unquote fake news one for sure. So this season, I don't, I don't know if you've listened to any of our episodes, but we're trying to figure out, well, not really figure out, but we're just kind of going over kind of the, the key differences between organic production and conventional. So are you guys more, do you all kind of focus on conventional using like, you know, synthetic pesticides and fertilizers and stuff like that? Or are y'all organic? Uh, we're all conventional. Um, I don't think we've ever had any experience with organic on our farm. Um, as far as I know, we've been all hundred percent conventional. Um, there are some guys around here that are doing a little organic here and there, but to my knowledge, there's nobody like row crop guys that are hundred percent organic or anything. Um, they'll, I, from my, what I've heard, they, they'll do one field or something or a certain amount of acres of organic, but yeah, most us and most of our area is all conventional. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know that before this season, but I've learned that a lot of like big time farmers, kind of like you guys that have a lot of acreage, they'll mostly grow conventional, but then they'll grow a little bit, like a couple acres of organic. And then kind of the smaller farms, like the smaller mom and pop farms with not nearly as much acreage, they might kind of do the same thing. So that's very, very interesting. So, all right, you're a fourth generation farmer. Maybe one day you take over this farm. What would be kind of your future goals for it? Do you want to continue to grow? Do you want to get some more land or kind of grow the, the, the cattle you have there? So what would be your goal for the future of Tom Farms? Um, no, um, no pressure, no pressure there. Yeah, yeah, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like I'd like to grow slowly just because I feel um, in today's day and age, you have to keep growing. Otherwise, eventually one day you're going to get pushed out. Um, And that's nobody's fault or anything. But I feel like you just have to keep growing a little bit not a lot but just a little bit every every time you can maybe um because one day you're gonna you might look around and everybody's gonna have be twice the size of you or something and twice the amount of acres i mean and yeah on the cattle side um expand maybe some because that kind of diversifies your um income so you're not putting all your eggs in one basket like right now we're we're split up pretty good um whereas if the crops were to crash for some reason we'd still have that the cattle income um to keep us afloat i would think so i'd like to if i like if you're gonna go one like the crops get more acres i think a few years down the road when when you get the opportunity and the means and resources, I think um, it'd be smart to put on some more cattle, maybe not a ton, but just enough to kind of equal it out, keep a nice balance between the both. Yeah, that's a good idea. Diversify. That's smart. 
That's not bad. Not bad at all. Diversifying. And then you, as my dad, my dad's really big in the stock market. And so he's always trying to tell me diversify, diversify, diversify. Because if one fails, you've got like 10 other backups or something like that. So, I mean, the, th- the same thing applies for you guys. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, exactly. That's awesome. All right. Well, Derek, this has been awesome, man. Learning about D&D Tom Farms, all the stuff you guys are doing. Um, I think it's awesome that you guys are a fourth generation farm. I hope y'all continue to, I don't know, continue to grow and continue to carry on that family legacy. So I will be sure to tag everything. Like I'll tag you guys a social media account. Your Instagram is super cool. Um, keep up all that good work and show showcasing what's going on and we'll have to get in touch with you in a few months, see how things are going and kind of go from there. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Awesome. Derek. Well, thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.